Hey everyone, Becky from The Shift Team here, and we're back with a new mini episode to help everyone with some quick lessons to get great ideas and tools for gymnastics. What coaches need to know about nutrition? This week's mini podcast episode is a sneak peek of our brand new Kira Lab guest lecture, What Coaches Need to Know About Nutrition which will be released next week. This month's guest lecturer is Christina Anderson, a registered dietitian and board-certified pediatric specialist who specializes in eating disorders. Christina helps athletes with performance, nutrition, dealing with food, and properly fueling themselves, working with high-level elite gymnasts all the way down to regular gymnasts. In this episode, Christina covers dangers of unintentional under-eating, why clean eating is not enough for gymnasts, intra-workout nutrition information for coaches, and Dehydration 101 Best Action Plan for Avoiding Dehydration. Hello, welcome to our training for the HERO uh, Lab through Shift Movement Science. My name is Christina Crowder-Anderson. I'm a pediatric and adolescent registered dietitian, sports nutritionist, and I'm super excited to talk to you tonight about what coaches need to know about nutrition when it comes to fueling the gymnasts from compulsory through optionals and beyond. Some of you may know me. You may know me and the pink and the brand. I'm known as the gymnast nutritionist on Instagram, um, but the more professional bio <laughs> would include things like I was a competitive gymnast for nine plus years. I've been judging gymnastics for 13 plus years. I'm a nationally rated um, women's gymnastics judge. I also judge collegiate as well. I'm a dual board certified registered dietitian sports nutritionist. So board certifications in both pediatric and adolescent nutrition, as well as sports nutrition, which I find very important to do the work that I do with these young athletes. And I'm the founder of Christina Anderson RDN, the gymnast nutritionist, which is a virtual private practice. Um, we work with gymnasts from compulsory through elite all over the U.S. and internationally. And I can say it is a great privilege to get to help athletes and parents learn to fuel their bodies for optimal performance without the stress and overwhelm, and also without the food and body struggles that so many of us experienced as gymnasts in the sport. So during this workshop, you're going to learn the number one most important aspect of your gymnast nutrition that most parents are missing. We're going to talk about why healthy eating isn't enough on its own for the gymnast and what we need to focus on instead. And I'm going to share with you what I feel like are the keys to optimal performance and longevity in the sport throughout the years. You have to know that proper adequate fueling really is the number one way that gymnasts can achieve optimal performance and longevity in the sport. All the training, all the conditioning, all the rehab, the perfectly planned and periodized training program is not going to save them from the effects of underfueling. And this is the number one mistake that I see gymnasts make at all levels. So the number one most important aspect of their nutrition that most parents are missing is not about trying to get them to eat more fruits and veggies, which is, I think, a very common soundbite that we hear from coaches. It's not about trying to get your gymnast to eat less sugar. This is not a guarantee of anything, and this actually can have a strategic role in the gymnast diet. It's not about trying to keep them slim and fit, and I think this is where the train often goes off the tracks, especially as gymnasts get older and progress through puberty. Everything we do is going to hinge on adequate nutrition, right? Of course, I'm biased being a sports dietitian, but if you think about it, the body has to have adequate building blocks to not only repair and recover day in, day out from training, but to adapt or get better and stronger from that training. 
So I like to think about this in this kind of three-step framework. Step one is what I call the gymnast foundation. This is where we make sure that they're getting adequate meals and snacks throughout the day, that we are closing the recovery gap, that your gymnast is showing up fuel to practice, ready to go um, and respond as best and as optimally as possible to the training. Step two is where I teach gymnasts to layer on a performance nutrition strategy. So this is the strategic use of carbohydrates and fluids and electrolytes before, during, and after training to level up performance and focus and enhance recovery. And this can make a huge difference in your gymnast performance um, at practice. And then step three is what I call becoming a balanced gymnast. And I'll share with you that a lot of the upper level, level 10 and elite gymnasts I work with, it's often the food and body struggles that get in the way of them giving their bodies what they need to be successful and stay healthy. And so this starts young. We have to be proactive. We have to be careful with how we talk about food, how we talk about bodies, because we want to set these gymnasts up for success. And I will say, as I often refer to she and her just by habit, I, I do work with mostly female gymnasts. I also work with male gymnasts. I have several um, very high level male clients and so just know that all of this information is applicable to all genders, um, just for the sake of the presentation. And by default, I will probably say her most of the time. So I want to talk about unintentional underfueling. And this is a really sneaky thing that will start even in compulsory that normally presents itself when a gymnast is progressing through optionals, when they hit puberty, um, because of this, you know, that's where you see gymnasts fall apart and they've got the OCD injuries. They've got the back fractures. They've got the overuse injuries that often seem to come out of nowhere. But if we really kind of trace things back, this whole concept of unintentional underfueling has actually been going on for years. So if we think about your kind of standard, maybe nine-year-old level five gymnast, you know, compulsory, maybe training 15, 20 hours a week, maybe closer to 12 to 15. From a parental perspective, they're probably giving three meals a day and some snacks. Obviously, if their gymnast is hungry, they're probably feeding them. But if we look at their nutrition intake compared to their needs, they're barely eating enough. So I would kind of put them in the green. Then we move on to maybe the 11-year-old level eight gymnasts. We're now training 20 to 25 hours a week. And if we calculate their nutrition intake compared to their needs, we're in the yellow. Like we definitely have fallen below what they need to perform their best, to grow, develop, to repair, to adapt, recover from their training. And so things are already on rocky ground. And while a lot of these gymnasts at this level are healthy, um, this is also kind of the time frame where we start to see some of those injuries crop up. Then we move on to like the 14-year-old level 10 gymnast, 14, 15, 16, your elite track gymnast. And if we look at how much they're eating compared to their needs, they are in the red. They are not eating enough, even though they may still be eating three meals a day, maybe some snacks. And what often makes the situation worse is they've now become body conscious thanks to social media and comparison and puberty and body change. And so not only were they probably unintentionally underfueling to begin with because gymnasts and parents just aren't taught how much gymnasts need. Now we are also intentionally restricting to some degree and you would have this situation of what we call red S or relative energy deficiency in sport. And while we could talk all day about carbs and protein and fat and macros and, you know, what percentages your gymnast should be eating and all that great stuff, what is most important for you to understand as a coach is underfueling. 
And what does this look like? Because you are on the front lines and you are the one that can spot this. You can refer your gymnast to appropriate professionals. This is going to look like the gymnast who isn't growing well, which is a huge misnomer in the sport. So many doctors still will tell a parent, oh, it's fine. It's normal if your gymnast isn't growing. It's normal if they haven't started their periods. They're just small and they'll catch up when they you know, finish the sport. That is not true. If you don't have enough nutrition to grow and develop, there is not enough nutrition available to the body to repair and recover and adapt to your training. So you can't have your cake and eat it too. Underfueling can also look like the gymnast who a parent would describe as obsessed with the fun foods, as I call them, the sugar, the chips, the carbs, et cetera. This is where coaches will get frustrated, but here's the deal. When a gymnast is underfueled, the brain is just trying to keep them alive. And the brain knows that it's not getting enough fuel. So of course, it's going to have this increased wanting and liking towards foods that it know will give a quick source of energy. And when we over-restrict and demonize these foods, that's only going to further increase what we want, but can't have, right? So we'll talk all about that today. Underfueling can also look like the gymnast who sneaks and hides food, or maybe it's the gymnast who says that she's never hungry, even though as a coach or a parent, you look at what she's eating and you're like, there's no way, like there's no way that you're not hungry. You know, you barely had a meal today and you've trained four or five hours, um, but underfueling can blunt the appetite. At some point, the brain is like, you know what? Fine. I'm going to stop telling you that you're hungry all the time because you're not actually giving me anything. Underfueling can look like the gymnast who is always sore, always tired, always has a little nagging injuries. They may complain of feeling heavy in the gym, being tired, having trouble focusing, their legs burning. All of those are huge signs for you as a coach that your gymnast is likely underfueled, not just during the workout, but probably globally overall. And then, like I said earlier, the gymnast who isn't growing, who isn't developing, who hasn't started their period as a female by 16 years old, these are all red flags for underfueling. Why does this matter? Sometimes people tell me, all you do is talk about underfueling and, you know, gymnasts needing to eat, eat, eat. Yeah, I do. It's because this is so important. This is literally the foundation of everything you do in the gym. And this will come back to bite you at the most inopportune time if you don't address it. So underfueling is going to lead to poor growth and development, which is going to increase risk of injury, increase risk of body image concerns. And we know from the research that it can increase the risk of future disordered eating by what underfueling chronically does to the brain, which is crazy. What you have to know as a coach is that a gymnast can be underfueled at any weight, any weight, any body composition. So you can't look at an older gymnast and say, well, gosh, she's not lean anymore. She's kind of fluffy. Um, she must be eating too much. No, you, you can't tell that at all. And there's actually some really crazy stuff that happens when a gymnast chronically underfuels for a long time. So gymnasts need a lot more nutrition than we think. And I'm not going to get into this super deep, but I know a lot of you have a pretty good working knowledge of calories and macros. So I just want to set the record straight and give you a good idea of how much a gymnast really needs. Because in my experience, I've heard coaches, I've heard medical professionals tell gymnasts that they need 1500 calories a day or 1800 calories a day. And if we look at a gymnast basal metabolic rate, and we're going to use kind of your average 14 to 16 year old optional gymnast training 20 or 30 hours a week. They need 14 to 1800 calories just to exist and lay in bed all day. Like that's what we call someone's basal metabolic rate. That doesn't even begin to touch how many calories they're expending at training, the ongoing cost of repair recovery, growth and development. These gymnasts are not small humans. So their nutrition needs, their metabolism is very different than ours as adults. So 
14 to 1800 calories just to lay in bed all day. Then we add something called NEAT, non-exercise activity, which is 15 to 30% of your needs. So that's walking around, fidgeting, you know, while you're sitting down, walking from class to class, any sort of movement beyond, you know, laying in bed is going to cost the body energy or calories. We then have intentional exercise. So, you know, gymnasts can burn hundreds, if not thousands of calories um, in a four plus hour workout. So you have to add that to everything else. And we're already at over 2000 calories. We then look at the thermic effect of food or the cost to the body to digest and break down the food, this ongoing cost of injury recovery, which could just be, you know, the nagging day out recovery or actually significant injuries, maybe surgery, whatever. All of this boils down to something called adequate energy availability, where at the end of the day, the body has to have enough nutrition left over to support growth and development and repair and recovery. And if it's not getting that, then you're not going to get the adaptations from your training. And we're going to have this whole kind of silent under fueling thing going on where all of a sudden your gymnast has major injuries that take a long time to recover from. And if not surgery as well. Hopefully you enjoyed this mini podcast episode. If you would like to hear the rest of what coaches need to know about nutrition, head over to the Hero Lab, relaunched with a brand new look with a website that's now more user-friendly to help coaches easily locate and access the tools to change gymnasts' lives. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to that episode. I hope that you really enjoyed it and got a lot of value out of it. I just want to let you know before we sign off here that a couple things we'd love for you to do. So one is please just make sure that you rate and review the podcast on iTunes or Spotify or Stitcher, wherever you're listening, because that really does help the episode grow quite a bit. And then second, if you really enjoyed this episode, we would love if you left us a review as well and told us what you liked about it. You know, what information was useful, what things were not useful, would you like to know more about, what guests do you want to have on in the future? And then also as you kind of go about your day, if you found something really useful, just toss it up on social media. We love to hear from people on Instagram or Twitter or, you know, all the different websites that they're using for social media. Facebook is great too. But yeah, let us know what you like, because honestly, the podcast comes from people who just tell us what they're finding useful. And that's how we create the next set of content. So yeah, tag us in the podcast or tag us online, whatever you're doing it and uh, let us know what you think. Thanks.